Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode Uh, This episode is going to be a fun one for me because this follows up with my first episode, You Might Be an Empath If. And I got a lot of responses from that one because people are starting to tune in to what their sensibilities or sensitivities are. And um, empathicness is something that's near and dear to my heart because I am an empath. And, you know, some of you who are just tuning in might be like, what the hell is an empath? (laughs) And it's it's funny, when I looked up the definition of empath, the first definition by um, the, the dictionary <laughs> says, in parentheses, chiefly in science fiction, a person with the paranormal ability to apprehend the mental or emotional state of another individual. And I thought that was kind of funny that it said chiefly in science fiction, Um as a means to not acknowledge that this might be an actual thing. And they probably should update that. But um, empaths are highly sensitive individuals who have a keen ability to sense what people around them are thinking and feeling. Um, Psychologists may use the term empath to describe a person that experiences a great deal of empathy, often to the point of taking the pain of others at their own expense. Um, They can easily take on emotions of others as their own, and they're sharply intuitive and adept at reading people and situations uh, just beyond surface-level impressions. And it's interesting because it is, I guess you could consider it a psychic gift, if you will, Um, but now that empathicness or empaths are more mainstream, there's more talk and it's becoming more accepted as an actual thing. And as I had spoken before, the first time that I discovered I was an empath is after um, maybe probably almost four years ago, but um, I started to get really tired and anxious and I was having a lot of fatigue and I was having a lot of really weird dreams that would sometimes come true. And I would suddenly just know things about people that I... I had no no reason or knowing or, or, or like had no privy to their information beforehand. So it, it was this culmination of those things along with some extreme exhaustion and anxiety that were happening following and not feeling that I really understood what was going on and then to the point almost being put on medicine for it. And so learning more about those sensitivities and learning, understanding what they mean and whose energy I was taking on. Like empaths are like sponges. And so if you don't boundary yourself or if you're not conscious or cognitive or aware of whose energy you're taking in, then you will thus be subject to any whirling energy that's around you. So I had to become acutely aware and in tune to the people that I was around, the environment I was 
you know, putting myself in and what I was doing on a day-to-day to enhance those abilities, but also protect them. So there are, um, I have mentioned before, empaths are HSPs, which are highly sensitive people, but all HSPs are not empaths. Um, empath in particular has more, um, at least in the definition, more um, psychic ability. And I hate to use that word because people think psychic and it's like, you know, like, call me now, you know, <laughs> what was her name? I can't think of her name. Um Anyway, you know, like the people that get on TV and they have the 900 numbers and you, you pay them, you know, $4 a minute or something. And um, when when we get when I, we get any type of psychism, like psychic hits, it's information that we receive that's that's an energy or vibrational form that we receive without any cognitive or logical um, imprintation or acceptance. So you could be walking into, you know, a store or walking down a street or something and you just kind of get a bad vibe. Like, ah, you know what? I shouldn't be here. That's a psychic hit. Um, If you, when you make a decision about something and you're like, okay, well, I have all the logical reasons, but this one just feels right. Well, there you go. There's a psychic hit of something that, that you're picking up information outside of your normal five senses that allows you to to, to go forward with something or to think something or something like that. So anyway, um, this episode is about how, how to deal with that. So, um, I want to start in the environment, like things to consider first before we get into action steps. I had to kind of take a deep look into what my environment looked like, what's in my home, um, in your home, your home is your sanctuary. Okay. I always say this. And when you go out into the world, you put on your face and you go do your work and you, you are out there being who you need to be. And when you come home, that should be a place that is your sanctuary. That is where you unwind and relax and commune with your loved ones and cook dinners and make love and sleep. And, you know, that should be a sacred space. And often I walk into people's homes and I'm like, how do y'all live here? It's not a resting space. It's not a place where you can unwind and let your energy kind of really flow. The whole thing about feng shui is letting the energy flow through your home. So I walk through people's homes sometimes and I'm like, how, how are they able to rest and reset, me just walking into their home causes me a great deal of anxiety on an energetic level. So you have to think of imprintation. Who comes to your house often? Who lives in your house? What type of energy do they have? Now, sometimes you can't help that your kids are wired and you got, you know, so-and-so, maybe your husband's got a really hard job or your wife or, you know, and they come home stressed and you can't help that you can't help their reactions or their energy, but you can do things in the home that will allow for less absorption of that type of energy to keep it clear. Um, one is clutter and it doesn't matter what it is. It could even be too many crystals. And that's saying a lot for me because I fucking love crystals. Um, but clutter, clutter in and of itself has a dense and low energy, especially to our visual receptors. Our brain, when we see, we see lots of clutter, it takes up a lot more visual 
um, energy to be able to receive that information, to decode and translate those colors or those shapes or things. And the more that you have around you that doesn't have a flow to it or a pleasing aesthetic or something that makes you feel good when you look at it, the more information is being taken up by your visual receptors, even energetic receptors. It doesn't even have to be to your vision. You can just feel being in there. If there's dust and and other things that that block the flow, then you're going to have trouble with that that energetic receptor that's going to feel like it's getting blocked when you're in those areas. Um, So clearing out the clutter. Marie Kondo, that shit. Okay. the objects in your home, what are, what, are, what does their home say about you? Does your home say that this is a happy and safe place? Or does it say that, I mean, it's not like you have to have a shit ton of money or anything and make it look like super, super pretty. But if you're absorbing a lot of that energy, it is taking away from the energy processes that you have in your internal auric field it's taken away from that. So you don't have that reserved for yourself. Now you have it reserved for just walking through and seeing lots of things. It's a lot of stimulus. Um, then, uh, you know, you have to think of, okay, so for me in particular, and this might be just like specific, but lighting is really important. Um, homes that have the lights that are on the very top of the ceiling versus when you strategically place lamps throughout your home can also have an effect on your energy. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, It's a part of feng shui as well. Um, When you have that direct light, it can be really harsh. Um, God forbid you have fluorescent lighting in your home. That would be just awful. No offense, guys, but um, fluorescent lighting is because it is not a constant stream of output it's a, it's a flickering kind of, and I don't really know how it works, but I see it when I, um, in my video or photo work, when you take a picture of a fluorescent light, it is constantly that, that energy is cycling through really fast to make the entire thing light up. And that causes a lot of visual stimuli. Um, it's constantly moving, even though your natural eye can't see it. It's, it's, it's making this like very chaotic, almost cycle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so your brain is having to take that and it will make you tired. So if you go into work and your whole building's got fluorescent lighting, well, guess what? There's a, there's another reason why you're so tired when you leave work. Um, so that's, that's the first part of it, your environment, like your work environment, where do you hang out most, the places that you go to, and being cognizant if those places are conducive to a good and happy, energetically pleasing environment, or if they are draining to be in. And some of you might not have choices about that, so we'll talk about ways to cope in a little bit. But then I want you to kind of think about how does energy feel in your body? So start paying attention to the people you're around. This is this is the first way, I believe, that it's, it makes it easy for you to start to tell where your energy is coming from. Um, get with a friend, you know, or, or whoever. Get with a person and see how you feel around them. And I don't mean just like, oh, I feel good or I feel bad. Like, how, do, how does my heart feel? Does it palpitate? Is it beating faster than normal? Is it a resting heart rate? Do I feel fidgety or nervous? Does my neck hurt? Am I feeling tension in the back of my shoulder blades? Do I Am I having digestion issues or digestive issues? Um, does my head hurt? Am I feeling tension in between my brows? 
those are those are all indicators of stress responses to energetic uh, output from other people. And so, um, just to give you a story, there was a couple of people that I've met with in the recent past that when I sat in front of them, I got so sick that I was throwing up. Like, and you might have thought, well, maybe it was something that she ate or something. Um, it happened so frequently in this short amount of time. It's um, after I felt like I had another awakening and I was more sensitive to things. So I wasn't boundarying myself as much as I should have as before. Um, anyway, so I, I, this, this person I went on a date with, I sat in front of, um, we had lunch and we were sitting there and I just started to feel really sick. I got a really bad headache. I, you know, my stomach was hurting really bad. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm feeling like really lightheaded. And I tried to stick throughout the date and you know, whatever, but like, I was like, I have to get out of here. There's something up. Um, this is the second time it happened this viscerally. So, um, went to the house, threw up, laid down, like just, my stomach was in all kinds of pain. And I was like, this is so similar to when I met with this ex other person. Um, and, you know, and I was feeling really sick around them too. And they're kind of a toxic people. So like, let me test this out and see if it's the person or if it's something that I ate. And so I agreed to meet with this person again, um, a few days later and the same thing happened. Exactly. It was, it started on as a headache. My stomach started to hurt. Um, it started to turn up in knots. And then I started feeling like I was going to throw up within like minutes of sitting with this person. And I was like, okay, I got to go. But it was, it was so interesting to be able to test that and say, okay, I'm not making this up. I'm not crazy. It wasn't something I ate. It wasn't some freak accident. I am actually responding to this person's energy and and who they are or whatever. It's, it's alarm bells, like glaring alarm bells that your body is saying, absolutely not get away from this person. <laughs> um, and I, if you didn't know what that was, you might've thought it was a curse of some sort. Like you, you're all oh, just, this is, I just want to get to this date or whatever it is. But like in this case, my body was warning me on a like psychic level, not this person don't see this person, don't be around this person through means of, you know, the internet or whatever, I was able to find out that this person was a bad, bad, someone I did not want to be affiliated with. And I I thought, whoa, sweet. Okay. So my, <laughs> my sensors are on. Yeah. Um, but it made me feel, it made me feel powerful in that moment because it, I, you know, even though I felt like really sick, it gave me some, some insight that was not even, <laughs> didn't seem like of my own volition, um, to warn me or to alert me to things that might not be good for my, my body, for my field, for my energy. So that's just one example, but I, have, I feel like I have a thousand of those, but anyway, so like for yourself, if, you know, you might not even be an empath per se, but I think these tools will help you cope with stress anyway. But in particular for empaths, start noticing stuff like that. Start looking very attent intently. Make it intentional when you sit down with someone that you pay attention to your body. What is your body saying? What is your mind saying? What comes to you when you're around that person? 
How do you feel? Like, does, does your head hurt? Does your stomach hurt? And, and it, it can go for the same with a place. You start to kind of feed into things. There, there are judgments that you make with your subconscious mind that you don't even make with your, like, consciously. Um, but when you can walk into a place and say, if you say you're buying a house, you can walk into the house and feel if it has good or bad vibes. You can, you can tell, like if you're, if you haven't like really strung yourself up and not, and suppressed yourself from any type of emotionality, energy is, is very, actually very easy to feel. You can go down in a basement and feel if it's creepy, not just by the way it looks, but it's like, you start to get chills and feel like, yeah, this is kind of weird. Um, or fears that you have, or like that, that kind of intuition that comes up, um, you know, like especially particularly with moms and their children, you know, so there are, there are those things, but besides intuition, the empathicness is more about the feeling that it comes through. Empaths in, in particular have, because they take on the feelings of others in such an intimate way, it's, it's almost if it's happening to them. So I don't know how many clients that I've sat with or, or friends that I've sat with when they're telling me something. And as they're, as they're telling me, it's just, I mean, it feels like it's happening to me. Like I, I can sob for a couple of hours after I talk to somebody and after they leave and that sounds, I know that sounds like horrible, but it's, it's as if it's happening to me. I feel that, that, that deeply. And you know, what I started to realize is that that's actually a gift because when I sit with someone and I talk to them, I, I hope, and I think that they feel, they feel seen. They feel like, okay, so this person gets it. And that's kind of the point. And I've sat with other empaths. I can always tell if somebody's an empath or not. I'm telling them something instead of them jumping to try to fix it. They're like, wow, you know, I, I feel that. I hear you. And then they have other anecdotes that fall in line with what it was I was thinking because they can feel what I'm feeling. And to know that type of connection is something so deep. It's, I mean, I would consider that, um, most of the the people that I know that are also empaths, that are empowered empaths, I should say, because there are disempowered empaths whose energy is going every which way and they're being subjected to loads of stuff and, and it's really, really hard for them. But empowered empaths, people who have learned how to manage their energy and have learned how to not um, not allow others people, other people's energy to, to infiltrate their own it, it becomes a gift being able to sit with people like that and and learn about who they are and learn about their story and their pains and their joys and say, I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. And so it's it's it can be very, very powerful. So my first ways of coping <laughs> with empathicness um, is water. Lots and lots and lots and lots of water. You can drink it. You can sit in it. <laughs> you can listen to it. You can water is is a wonderful, wonderful tool for empaths because of its healing properties, but in particular, submerging yourself in water in the bathtub seems to mute and or release um, the energy that you've taken on throughout the day. You're not just washing your body from sweat and BO. <laughs> You're also washing the energy from your body. And so I think that that's obviously an important part of my routine. Um, but when you're angry, when you're when you're mad, when you've absorbed something, you feel sick, you feel upset, you know, whatever, a hot bath. 
does it every time. It helps you release the like pent-up anger and aggression that you might be feeling to force your body into a, a relaxed state. Um, so the next thing that I, I like to do to de-stress um, is I listen to actually ASMR. Um, forgetting <laughs> it's like autonomic nervous system response or I don't know, something like that. I messed that up, but, um, some there's maybe perhaps only like 15 to 20% of, uh, people who listen to it, get the tingles. Um, but ASMR is when you listen to people, there's a lot of people on YouTube, but they kind of talk like this in the microphone. And they go on the other side and it's supposed to do something for, for you. Anyway, um, if you're feeling relaxed listening to my voice right now, it's similar to that. I guess like people get on there and they, they talk and they may play, you know, brush people's hair or like play with the microphone in kind of weird ways or whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You, um, ASMR Zeitgeist is my favorite person to listen to because his videos aren't so creepy. Some people are like really erotic and sexual and I don't need that kind of energy. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I listen to that before I go to bed and um, it acts in a, I mean, you could do that or you can do something that they call, which is binaural beats, binaural beats. Um, it's a, like you can listen to certain frequencies and they have these binaural beats that allow um, your, essentially force your brain to relax and it puts you in a very relaxed state so you can sleep. Um, the next one is meditation. And for many of you who say that you're not good at meditation, that, that's fine. Like, um, I, 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 when I coach my clients, I tell them that meditation is, there's no wrong way to do it. And most people say you have to sit up straight and you're not supposed to think about anything. But I don't think that that's exactly true. I, that's maybe a traditional way to do it, but not everybody can do that. So I, what I do personally is I sit in meditative state stance and I just think about everything I can think of until I can't think about anything anymore. And once I get to that place where my brain has finally processed everything out and quieted down, then I can get into that very relaxed meditative state where I release the energy. But in order to do that, you can't suppress what you're thinking. You have to get it out. So maybe for other people that works the opposite, but in, in, in impasse, it, it is particularly important that we release the things that we're thinking about, obsessing about, and paths can be very obsessive um, because of all the sensory that we're getting. So sit down in a room by yourself and quiet and sit down and think about everything. Like let everything kind of come up. And when you can't think about anything anymore, sit some more. Um, that's my take on meditation. Um, I've gotten easier, gotten better at like being able to turn off the monkey mind, but it is a lot of people are stopped at trying meditation because it's, you know, it's like, I'm, I can't do it right. And I just don't think there's a wrong way to do it. So, um, the next one is exercise or in particular yoga. Uh, I am a new yoga practicer. Um, trying to get more into it, but whatever, whatever your form of exercise is, um, that allows you to, again, release, like get things out of your body because again, empaths are sponges. So we are often taking in more than we are outputting. And it's kind of interesting because it's why it's probably why empaths tend to really attract narcissists. Um, and I know that's a real trendy word right now. Um, there are, 
there are narcissists. There are a lot of narcissists out here right now, but um, I just don't want to use like a trendy term like, oh, this person's a narcissist because everybody's using it right now. But narcissists and empaths are like a perfect fucking storm because an empath just wants to give and give and give and a narcissist just wants to take and take and take. Um, so empaths, be very, very aware of that because Usually your highest energy vampire is typically going to be someone of narcissistic qualities or a full-blown narcissist. It's possible. Um, so evaluating that those relationships specifically, but also because you're a sponge, you're taking on all of the lower vibrational energies as well as the higher vibrational energies. And if you're not doing anything to release that or to to, to move that energy out of your body, it will bog you down. And it will, this is where the fatigue comes from. This is where the, the irritability, the, the, you know, the, the hypochondriac isms happen. I have a lot of friends who, um, have, you know, take on a lot of physical ailments of other people as well. And people call them hypochondriacs. It's like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this and and they don't know that they're feeling it from someone else. I had a friend who, uh, or like I gave him a hug and I immediately felt this real strong pain in my lower right um, belly area. And I started to feel like bubbling in my tummy. And I was like, are you having digestion, digestion issues? And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, actually I am. And I was like, I'm getting this really sharp pain right here. And he's like, oh, man, I just got back from the doctor. I have an ulcer. And I was like, that's insane. Like, that is absolutely insane. There would be no way for me to to guess, hey, are you having <laughs> these issues with your stomach. It's such a weird thing to ask somebody, but it's there. You can feel it. You can feel the physical ailments. So um, often people who are highly sensitive like that will also take on the physical ailments of other people. And if you're not watching that, if you're not like aware of it, you, you will always think something's wrong with you. And that comes to not just physical ailments, but internal ones as well. When I sit with people who've experienced a lot of trauma, those are things that I often feel are, are happening to me as well. I had a situation with my, um, I mean, I have all these situations, I'm sure you're like, like story time, Ali, okay. Um, but that's why you're here, right? I, where I started to feel, this even happened yesterday, I started to feel really scared and really sad, like, oh, I hope you know, no one, you know, dies in my family. And I started having this overwhelming, anxious fear that something, something was going on. And I, I needed to be like, I needed, I needed to be here. I couldn't leave, like started feeling really scared about it. And I tuned in to, um, actually one of my friends, I thought it was one of my family members. So I actually contacted my sister and said, Hey, are you feeling like this? Because we tend to have a connection like that where I can pick up on what she's feeling. But, um, and then it being someone else that I knew that ended up reaching out to me. And, you know, if I had not known that, that this, I was feeling this as a response to feeling someone's feelings who I'm really, really connected to, I would have internalized that and thought it was mine and then would have been more worried because why am I feeling this way? I have no reason to feel this way. Why do I have this anxiety? And now I'm scared. And then this thing is going to happen or whatever. And it can really spin you out very quickly. So the awareness part of it and, and asking, always asking yourself, where is this from? Is this from me or is this coming from someone else? 
and being trying to make yourself more cognizant of that in your daily environment is going to help you not absorb so much because once you acknowledge and you're able to ascertain where it's coming from, you don't have to internalize that as your own. So now I'm going to take a short break. I'll be right back. Hey guys, and we're back. Um, another thought I was thinking about during the break is empaths' desire to want to please everyone. Um, empaths can naturally be people pleasers because if others feel good, then you feel good. It's it's to be said that it's really, really important for me in a lot of situations to kind of cultivate the energy in the room because if someone is upset or if someone has, you know, some anxiety or is mad or whatever, um, I do or used to do whatever I could to calm them down or apologize or I'm sorry or, you know, conflict was really, really difficult for me and would make me feel so scared and upset um, because if someone was not just upset at me, but if someone was upset in general. And so it made me out to be this people pleaser because it was the only way in which I can manage my own energy by managing others. So I became someone who felt responsible for other people's pain. And it's hard because you don't you don't recognize that it's because you feel the feelings of others. So you'll feel responsible for the energy of both parties. But empaths need to know that they are responsible for themselves first and then to others. It's just like the plane analogy, if you've ever been flying, where they say, put your mask on first before you help somebody else with theirs. And oftentimes, empaths will do the opposite. They will give the mask to someone else while they're passing out and they can't breathe. And so, you know, the way to others' happiness is not through us. And I think that that's how a lot of us get stuck and caught in codependent relationships, myself included, um, where you feel responsible for, for making sure that, you know, everybody else is happy. And then you start making that your role because people then start to expect it, of course, but because you get to curate the energy of the room. So um, if, for instance, you were ever in a relationship with a narcissist or you have a family member who's a narcissist, that person um, doesn't have any empathy and they love to be pleased. So they will continue to create, continue to create situations where the empath will have to be in that pleasing mode all the time. And this situation is incredibly draining and toxic for sure. Um, so is there someone in your life that makes you feel like that? Is there someone that like you walk around eggshells around and you continue, like you start to notice that you've been conditioned in a way to behave a certain way when things shit goes and hits the fan? And is it always your fault? Um, this goes beyond obviously empathicness, but um, I, sent, I tend to see a large amount of empaths with narcissists. It's the perfect storm. But it's it's from the nature of wanting to please others, wanting to make sure that everybody feels okay because we feel everything so goddamn deeply. And feeling stuff at that level of depth makes it 
you know, seem like you're too sensitive, right? You've probably heard that. Oh, you're too sensitive. Get over it. Oh, it's not that serious or whatever. Oh, I was just joking. No, you aren't. Um, But like to say someone is too sensitive, first of all, is incredibly invalidating. But second, there are sensitivities that have maybe are just now getting to be acknowledged and that are considered important and not not something bad, but actually, you know, a really good gift that you can have. So if you find that yourself are that you're really sensitive, I, and I'm not saying emotional because I think sensitive and emotional are two different things. Um, to have emotions is emotional and to be sensitive is to have sensitivity. And so for instance, if, you know, I'm, I'm sensing that someone has beef with me, I'm, I don't have an emotion that registers for it yet, but I, I can sense that there's something around that. The emotion is following my interpretation and translating that sensitivity. So if someone's got beef with me and they don't have a reason to have beef with me, my first concern and an emotional probably response is why I'm feeling then upset or scared at the possibility that did I do something wrong? And that's all, that's where I used to go all the time as a disempowered empath. Did I do something wrong? Did I do something to them, upset them? Oh, you know, like I'm already ready to apologize for something that I, I probably didn't do, <laughs> or maybe I did do, but I'm, I'm in that under ego state, which a lot of empaths are, um, where we are ready to take the blame in order for people to feel better. We, we don't want the conflict because the conflict in and of itself, by itself, makes us feel so physically ill. We avoid it and as at all. It's too overwhelming. And it's in our sensitivity that that emotional register causes us to, to feel like, uh, you know, compute, compute. You know, like our brain is trying to process those emotions. And because of our sensitivity, there's more emotions than the normal person would feel. And so... When it comes to conflict, we would typically bow out because it's it's better for us to just eat it so everybody's okay and it goes away so we don't feel sick. Um, I had a, a, a interesting um, conflict with someone uh, in the recent past and I was really surprised because it felt like it came out of nowhere and my, my first reaction was like, did I do something wrong? And in nature, like everybody's got their side. So I can't say that I was wrong or I was right. I don't believe that I did anything to warrant that type of reaction. But I, I then I then question myself with other people to evaluate, did I do something wrong? Tell me what I did wrong. I'd really like to know what I did wrong. And I get in that position so I can apologize and fix it. But it doesn't give me any empowerment when I haven't truly evaluated the situation and looked at things from a perspective, from an equal perspective, because I'm always willing to take on the blame because I want to feel better. I don't anticipate the other person will take on the blame because they're coming to me about something. So I'm willing to just bow out because I don't, I don't want this conflict. I don't want someone to, to be upset with me. And that's not who I am now. I've gotten to the place where I've learned to manage that and say, you know what, I'm not going to take that on. And maybe this is not very, maybe it's not all empath specific. Maybe it's just uh, a few empaths feel like that. But um, I've seen that as a pattern because we, because of that feeling constant of (laughs) stimulus of like whatever, when someone's mad at you, it's like, oh my God, what the hell? It feels like the worst thing in the world. Empaths will always 
likely say, I've, I've heard from multiple accounts, um, the worst thing you can do to empath is accuse them of something they didn't do. And because it's, it's a, it's a, a panic reaction to whatever happened and you find yourself in defense mode. But if there, if it was something you truly didn't do, you have to argue for yourself. And that, that's, that is a frantic situation to put an empath in. Like I have to argue for myself for something I know I didn't do wrong. And so now I don't have the option to bow out and just take the blame and be, you know, let someone walk over me just so I can feel better on an energetic level when this exchange is happening, because later down the road, we'll feel bad because we're like, that didn't happen. And I should have said this, but we won't bring it back up because it'll, it'll make those emotions come back up. That'll make it hurt even worse for us the second time around. So anyway, that's, (laughs) that's a very interesting part of being an empath in my experience that um, hopefully that gives you a bit of insight. If you've been doing that, if you've been bowing out um, during conflicts or things that you, you know, like, you're just like, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. Or, you know what, she's just that way and it's okay. And I'll just accept her, you know, like if it's like that, then you might be considering, you know, am I, am I taking this on so I can just keep the peace so I can feel better? Um, I'm going to give you some, some things to say, you know, like to determine if you are an empath or not. I found this article online, Um, This is in addition to what I already said, but I felt like this was a really good outline of it. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, One, you might be an empath if you carry the weight of the burdens of others for several days following your interactions with them. Um, This is a big one for me because if, if I do have, you know, it doesn't have to be a fight or anything like that. If I have a discussion with someone and it, and it gets heated or it's emotional or if it's really sad or something like that, I, I can, I can carry that weight for a few days. It's difficult for me to walk away from that or not worry about that person for some time. I have a friend who, um, had to go to the hospital recently and she was just on my mind all day for like three or four days. And then I went to visit her in the hospital and I was just like checking in, how are you doing? Whatever. Um, because I connected to, to the weight of that burden and wanted to make sure everything was going to be okay. It was not my responsibility to make sure that everything was okay, but this, you know, like empaths can get the the rep of being really great friends <laughs> because that, because that burden actually stays with you. And that's not the marker of a good friend, um, you know, having a burden stay with you or not. Not that my friends are burdens, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just the marker of you being able to process out what it is, that interaction that you've had with somebody else. Um, the next one is certain social situations have become increasingly draining and uncomfortable for you. Um, this for me is funerals, bars, hospitals, um, grocery stores on a busy Sunday, uh, places, um, in New York when I was living there, when I come here, if like, it's a, it's a, you know, Thanksgiving lighting or Christmas tree thing or concert, um, when there are lots and lots of people around that extra stimuli, um, makes it, it hard for me to continue that level of energy to stay engaged. And if I do continue that level of energy to stay engaged, then when I do come home to relax, it's like out, I'm out. Um, this is why I'm, you know, um, those of you listening who don't know, I'm also a photographer and this is why for next year I've decided only to take on really small weddings or elopements because, um, the consistency of coming into this barrage of this type of energy, um, has made it really hard to sustain for, for my body. And it's actually causing me sickness, illness. 
Um, third one is you dislike, don't trust, or conversely like and enjoy a person's company for reasons you can't yet pinpoint. So, or perhaps you can. Uh, empaths can read people's energy. So sometimes you can do a read on that person and and know whether or not you want to hang out with them. If you've ever said like, ah, I don't, I don't like them. I don't know why, but I just, I don't, I have a bad feeling about them. Or you meet someone and are, are like, oh my God, I fucking love her. She's my best friend. Da, 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 da. And you just met it. Either you're getting a really good read on people or you're just not giving people enough time. But um, because empaths can be very good at reading people's energy if you tune into that, you can usually tell very quickly when you're in someone's company, what, what vibes you feel about them. How, how do you feel about them? I met a girl recently who seemed so sweet and she seemed really kind and bubbly and great, but there was just something about her that made it really difficult for me to connect with her. Um, and not just connect with her. It was something inside of me that started to lock up I, I can talk to a brick. <laughs> I can talk to a microphone. Um, I I have no trouble making conversation with people, but when certain people have a particular type of inauthentic energy, my whole body locks up. It's so difficult for me to talk to them. I can't small talk. I can't. I can't do anything. And I'm like, what the hell is going on, Aaliyah? Like, just say something, and it's just it will not come out. And so, it's it's a strong enough feeling to know what's what's good or what's not good for me. But th- those are just some circumstances that you might be able to fish out and say, do I have those interactions with people? Do I, do, does it happen to me? Um, the fourth one is, is you feel lots of energy in crowds or have had big moon sw- mood swings, moon swings, that too, but <laughs> big mood swings. It's usually a sign that you're picking up on someone else's energy um, and you need to clear that space. Um, we get regularly energetically hyped up um, when we're picking up on other people's energy that's in in alignment or in disalignment with ours. And so that going back to the first one, um, the one before we were just talking, um, you're getting those kind of what I would consider psychic hits about the energy of the people that are around you. So paying attention to that, if you've, you've all of a sudden you feel like really dumpy and weird and you were just in a good mood, um, you know, you don't always have a mood disorder. <laughs> Sometimes you're just picking up on someone who's around you that might have that energy too that reflects that back. So just asking yourself those simple questions, is this mine or is the, am I picking up on someone else's energy? Um, we'll, we'll start to give you that awareness around that, that, you know, like, okay, I'm not, I, maybe you do have a problem. I'm not saying that you don't, but, um, to start distinguishing which energy is yours and which energy is from someone else. Um, number five is you go through waves of low emotions and then shortly thereafter experience heights of joy. Um, I feel like this is similar to the one before. It is still you dipping in and out of people's energy. Um, this can also be a sign of being, you know, bipolar, not necessarily empathic. So I'm not a doctor, can't just prescribe, prescribe anything um, that, you know, if you're having like really, really low depression and then high, high mania type of uh, reaction that could be bipolar, but um, swinging through those mood swings 
when you're around other people or when you're connected to someone else. So for myself personally, I connect to people's energy through the frequency of their voice. So when I do my energy sessions with people, I just need them to say their name or say hello or something like that. And that's what tunes me into their energy. And so I don't even need to be in the same room with them. But that then again, I'm a pretty sensitive person. Um, but start paying attention to that. The faster you you jump back to joy and the more tuned you are with knowing how important um, it is to get back with your own energy, the better you're going to be able to process and progress through your days and your weeks and your job and whatever. Um, so a very, very famous one of empaths, the next one, is you are easily excited about ideas, dreams, and the hopes of others. Empaths as a natural gift tend to be encouragers. We get stoked out of our mind when someone's like, I really want to do this. And we're like, oh, how can I help you? Um, I saw a meme one time that said cancers are like, um, <laughs> I'm going to mess it up. I remember it. Um, this said something like, I want to, some guy said, I want to be a potato farmer. And it's like, how can I help you with your potato goals? You know, like it's, we're ready to jump and, and help people with their, with their dreams because, and, and we're, we amp up people. We're the, the cheerleader kind of, you know, like persons we're readily there and able to sense the joy of others. And when they're in their best moods and accelerate their joy and motivation. And I think that that's why empaths tend to make good coaches. Um, because we're like, let's, how can we help? You know, um, it gives us a lot of joy because when we see someone cross that threshold for themselves and they, you know, they did something they didn't think they could do. It makes, I mean, the amount of joy that we feel for them and through them is, is exponential. So that goes into our next one is, uh, you continue to solve problems and issues of others. When people go through hardships, um, they tend to gravitate towards you. They'll probably call you and dump on you if you're not careful. You need to make sure that you're in a space to be able to accept their information or their energy that they need to do that. And it's not usually to hurt you, but their intuition says that it's you, the person, you know how to help them. You're going to be the one that can help them. You're going to be the one that makes them feel better. And so you need to just be in a good space to be able to set boundaries for yourself regarding how you can help. And, you know, sometimes um, my my best friend is really good at this where she'll call and she's like, okay, um, I need to vent and we'll ask if I have space for that. And usually I'm fine. I can, I have space for that. Um, but like I, I know if you've had, if you're that person, you know, some people might always come to you and dump on you and you're always readily and happy to be there for them. But how do you feel after you get off the phone? How do you feel after you speak or have coffee with that person? Do you feel drained? And I have become more cognizant of like, what is, what is my imp imprint on other people? You know, when I'm sitting and catching up with someone I haven't talked to in a long time, um, I get, I get hyper self-conscious if I start, if I'm talking for a long time, but they're asking me questions about whatever it is. Um, and if, if what I'm dealing with is low energy in nature, like if I'm going through some struggles or something like that, I tend to feel bad that I'm having to talk to them about this issue, but I had to stop doing that because I was like, everybody comes to me when they have an issue. So like I should be able to have people I can go to when I have an issue. But um, 
setting boundaries is really important because you will be that person that they will come to and their intuition tells them so like this person so and so Sally Sue is is the one I go to like she always she's a good listener um just be careful with that it's wonderful it's a wonderful gift to have that you will know how to help that person but make sure that you're setting good enough boundaries for yourself that they are not becoming the source of you know draining you completely and you're not able to recover the next one is something I talked about earlier is when at times you feel suddenly ill or sick or nauseous for no reason at all. Nervous stomach. <laughs> um, I always said I've got stomach issues or like I got a sensitive stomach and I see sensitive stomach not in the sense of like what I'm sensitive to eat, but also sensitive to energy. Um, your solar plexus is in your stomach region um, and that is where your intuition comes from also. So trusting your gut feeling when that's coming around. The stomach is the second brain and it can pick up on invisible information, electromagnetic information around you. And your nervous system can sense that as well. So um, there's a reason that the, you know, we have the vernacular of trust your gut, that kind of thing. So um, if your stomach is feeling upset or like worried or embodying low energy feelings, that's another signal that you can become more aware around that will allow and help you to start sensing where those boundaries need to be. The next one is you can sense the thoughts of others and know what they're thinking, even when they aren't saying it. And this part of empathicness is the most important role of clairsentience. Um, and clairsentience means clear feeling. So there's the clairs like clairaudient, which is clear hearing, clairvoyant, clear clear seeing, clairsentient, clear feeling, and they go on. But um, it's it's a secondary heightened psychic ability. Um, such as the other clairs that you might not have have realized yet because those psychic abilities often come in pairs. Um, hearing other people's thoughts is is interesting. I've, there's a couple times I've heard someone say something to me and I will answer them and they will look at me like, I didn't say that out loud. And while that sounds freaky, <laughs> It's kind of interesting. You're just tuned into the right wavelength of of the energy that they're on. But more importantly, for for empaths, it's the the clairsentient is the is the big one. So you might be you might just know when you walk in the house something's wrong with your partner, or or when they're at work, or something's up with your kid, or you know, like you just you get that vibe. You get vibes. You know, on the streets we call it vibes, and in the show we call it you know spirits or empathicness or whatever. So. Um, knowing, knowing the senses that like you, you kind of are usually on when you're like, I know something's up with you, what's going on? And, and without any logical reason. So that's, that's a very, very good indicator in empathicness. Um, it's just, you, you can sense when people are uncomfortable with you, when you're talking to you or the way that their body language, the way that your brain registers their body language. Um, it's like subliminal messaging that, that empaths are especially good at determining, you know, where it is, who's saying it and who can be trusted. Um, this makes them excellent companions in business deals, negotiations and partnerships because, and excellent poker play, players, I think, um, because we can sense when someone is lying. Now, the the caveat to that is that often we are giving people the benefit of the doubt. So even if we had the intuition that they're lying, we might trust them anyway, or at least like, oh, let's see and whatever. And when they do kind of prove us wrong, man, it's like, God damn it, I knew that thing. Why didn't I, why didn't I go with what, what my gut feeling was? I should have went with my gut. If you've ever said that, there you go. 
Um, the next one is you frequently have been called too sensitive. Again, as we talked about earlier, um, it's just, it's not, you're not too sensitive. You're just more sensitive than other people are used to. And it's an asset. It's not a flaw. It should be considered a compliment. So if you've been called too sensitive, don't worry, you're not by yourself. Um, it's just a part of the empathicness and the part of the like what what allows you to be able to tune into things and as long as you and when you start to learn that it's a deep asset you'll learn how to use it and and use it to your benefit so um and i believe the next one is uh you value your own emotions and what they tell you empaths typically aren't the type to suppress themselves deeply although i've i've seen some disempowered empaths who hate how sensitive they are and so they've blocked themselves off so deeply that they've turned into or have narcissistic type of qualities as a force to be able to negate their empathicness they're not true narcissists but they have to behave in such a way in order to not feel as deeply as they feel and especially if they've grown up in homes where you've been called too sensitive or shunned especially men um, where it wasn't acceptable, there wasn't space for those emotions, then um, they're they, they're going to have a disvalue or disdain or resentment against their own emotions and what they're telling them. So they've learned how to distrust themselves at a very early age. And thus, then it's a long process to get back to the opening where you are able to trust yourself again and value those emotions that they're telling you. Um, there are, there's, there are just a lot of, a lot of wonderful benefits that can come out of you valuing your own emotions and listening to them and finally trusting them. And the last one is you're able to walk into a room and sense when something's up. And I feel like these feeds into the rest of them, but in general, like you having a higher sensibility about what it is that you, you are walking into and feeling, it's just about paying attention to it. That's it. Like, it just comes to a part of you starting to pay attention to what you are feeling. And when you do that and you open your eyes to how much easier it makes life to be able to slide through when you know things that you don't know that you know, but you know, <laughs> it, it's going to, it gives you an advantage. It's a true asset. So I know that the, the sensibilities or sensitivities that can come in, can make it feel like it's really, really hard to be an empath. It's like in this world that doesn't really value sensitivity, doesn't value emotionality, doesn't value, um, you know, you know, like just being like really, really connected to other people. It's going to feel like it goes against culture. It's counterculture to, to want to deepen connection and to feel these such deep emotions around everything. Um, our society is, is, broken vastly vastly broken and we're telling people that we need to isolate and we need to lie we need to be inauthentic and we need to paint this picture that we're this and this and this and for empaths we're sitting here like watching all of this but on some intuitive or sub level we know it isn't true and that causes us distress so garnering some awareness around those things is is going to ultimately make your experience as an empathic kind of person better. Now, you didn't ask for this empathicness, but what I've seen in texts and other spiritual things or whatever that do mention reincarnation um, say that people who are who are empaths have lived 
a lot of lives. They've reincarnated more times. And so they are, they have more empathy because they've been in more situations to understand the background of why someone could be feeling that way. So kudos, you're an old soul. (laughs) So anyway, um, that is my episode on empathicness and ways to cope. Um, I haven't titled this episode yet, so that might be different than what you read on the title. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. And I just want to say, like, I'm so excited um, about where this platform is going. Kind of made a format that um, every week we'll have a guest on the show, and then I'll do something like this where I'm rambling to you. And it feels right. It feels really fun. And uh, I hope that you will continue to listen as I'm getting ready to embark on this new 2020. There's so many good, juicy things that we're going to talk about in 2020 about the shift in what's happening in the energetic world right now, the law of one, law of attraction, course of miracles, um, Anunnaki, the Galactic Council. There's so many things coming up that I just can't wait to share with you. And being a natural anthropologist type of person, um, it's my favorite thing to do is sit down with other people who have different perspectives than me and learn about what it is that excites them or what they believe or where they think they came from and, and embrace the crazy, you know, like people thought it was crazy that anyone would assume that the world wasn't flat. And now we've come to know that as absolute fact, (laughs) the world is round. Um, I would love to have a flat earther on the show. That'd be interesting. Um, But anyway, so (laughs) I love to toss around these ideas knowing that we are not in this finite universe, that there's so much magic to be held here. And to keep an open mind is a wonderful and beautiful thing to be able to experience the world through childlike wonder. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.